0: Hey everyone, it's Adam and this is Fouled Out. We wrapped up our draft coverage last week and it was pretty fun. Really enjoyed doing the A draft, but I think over the course of the next few episodes, we're going to get back into the NBA now that the season is ending soon and maybe some hockey and some baseball as well. But today, Marshall and I are going to get into the end of the NBA season now that it's ending this Sunday. Marshall was on, I think, 20 games into the season to talk about what we thought was going to happen. And we're going to go back and take a look at some of that and talk about the playoffs a little bit. But first, Matt's coming on to help me talk about Russell Westbrook and how impressive it is that he set the triple double record last night. Let's go. Matt is here we will I know the people are clamoring for more Marshall so uh, we won't take up too much of your time Matt but
1: Marshall Marshall Marshall
0: that's, that's all the people want but Matt and I wanted to jump on real quick before I get to that because Russell Westbrook set the record for most career triple doubles last night by recording his 182nd career triple double breaking Oscar Robertson's record of 181s. 181s? 181.
1: None of this matters.
0: And yeah. So that's that's why we wanted to talk about this, is because when we were younger, triple doubles were a huge deal. Like when Jason Kidd was playing, and even before our time when Magic Johnson was playing, triple doubles were such a big thing. And it was something that was celebrated league wide and in the media when any whenever anybody recorded a triple double. And they always mattered until Russell Westbrook started averaging them. And then it became something that was more commonplace. And it definitely is more commonplace now because there's so many players in the league who have these diverse skill sets that lend themselves to recording more stats in different categories. Like, I think the record for most players to have a triple double on the same day has been broken twice this year with... I think five and then six or then six and then seven, something like that. But as it's become more commonplace to see players record triple doubles, the importance of them has been diminished in the media and those people who talk about basketball. I know Matt, I think you agree with me, but I just, I don't feel like that's right. I feel like it getting a triple double is an accomplishment and the amount of triple doubles that Russell Westbrook has recorded, I think has kind of diminished the importance and kind of skewed our perception of how difficult it is to record a triple double.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like a lot of the people that are kind of poo pooing the triple double because Russell Westbrook has gotten so many of them are also the same people who were just all over Lance Stevenson when he got like eight in a season, (laughs) So, I feel like we're just, it's become less cool because we've been overexposed to them. And now we're on to, like, ultra-efficiency. So, like, Steph is the thing. Which, don't get me wrong, Steph is easily one of the best players in the league. But... Like it's not the only way to be an effective player.
0: Yeah. This debate really started in earnest a couple of years ago when Russell Westbrook won the MVP because it was up to him and James Harden and Russ had averaged a triple double for the first time in his career. And the first time since Oscar Robertson did it a long, long time ago. And he won the MVP over James Harden, who I forget exactly what Harden's stats were this that season, but they were really good, and they were really efficient. Was the key he set like records for efficiency? And Westbrook won the MVP, and it pissed off a lot of people in the advanced stats community. Me and those people don't always get along, anyway. We do sometimes, but not always. And yeah, so they and a lot of people said that Russ shouldn't have won that MVP. And people are still like dying on that Hill that that shouldn't have been Russ's MVP. And, you know, we can debate that some other time, but it is like a, it's a feat to do that. And like I said, nobody had averaged a triple double since Oscar Robertson did it a long time ago for all the great things we hear about Oscar Robertson and all his triple doubles. He only averaged a triple double one time. There's only one season where he did it. This is Russ's fourth season in the last five years, averaging a triple double. And it's just impressive. I mean, so he's at 182 right now and he's 32 years old and he's going to blow this record out of the water. Like the, whatever his number is, is going to be something insane when he's done. Like aside from him, there's only four, really three other guys who have a hundred career triple doubles right now. And then LeBron's sitting on 99. So like, there's probably going to be four, four or five total guys who have over a hundred triple doubles and How many do you think Westbrook's going to get to 200? Like, I don't think 250, 260, 270 is out of the question.
1: No, not at the rate he's going. I mean, keep in mind, he has done this in 100 less games than Oscar Robertson did. And you might look at, you know, what he has and generate an average per year. But that wouldn't be accurate either because he only had, I want to say it was eight triple doubles in his first six seasons in the league, Russell Westbrook. So that means the remaining 174 of them have come since season seven began, which is an astonishing rate. Like... (laughs) That is absolutely bonkers.
0: It is really amazing. And I think the first year that he averaged a triple double, he needed like 19 rebounds the last game of the season to get it. And he, he like obviously got it and his teammates kind of, you know, might've moved out of the way a little bit to let him grab a couple additional rebounds and make sure that he hit that number. But, and it, you know, that's, that's been a big part of the argument against him is that he like pads his stats and, that the whole team in Oklahoma city after Durant left was basically built around letting Russell Westbrook get triple doubles. But like guys in the NBA who are trying to make their paychecks are not just going to let a guy get triple doubles on a team. Like the the rest of the guys on Oklahoma city are not standing around. And I, I know he's not there anymore, but this is where it started. They were not all just standing around, letting him get triple doubles just because someone told them to, like, I think it's a big sign of respect to like for Steven Adams to move out of the way and let Russ grab a couple extra rebounds to make sure that he hits his numbers. I think it's kind of a cool thing. Like he's, he's obviously a good locker room guy and the people on that team obviously respected him enough to let him pursue this.
1: And I mean, let's be real about it. It wasn't like a significant number percentage of his rebounds or that was the case probably well under 5% of his rebounds was that probably the case because at the end of the day, (laughs) they got to put food on their tables. They're all playing for another contract, every single one of them. So let's go back to Steven Adams. The Steven Adams numbers significantly take a dip because he just keeps letting Russell Westbrook take his rebounds, he's not gonna get paid when his contract's up. So why would they signif- these players significantly hurt their potential future earnings? Just so that Westbrook could average a triple double? A few here and there, sure. Anything significant, hell no.
0: It's not like he's a bad rebounder too. I don't, I don't know if you've seen what he's averaging lately, but uh, he's currently averaging 22 points, 11.6 rebounds, and 11.6 assists per game this season. And he could finish in the top five in rebounds as a guard this year. Like the guy, he's able to get rebounds. He's, You know, Russ is an athletic freak, and he is a, he's really explosive. That helps him get some of these boards. but
1: And he plays harder than everybody else on the floor. And I think that is also a part that a lot of people are overlooking. And maybe they don't want to look at that. Say you really like certain players. Say like you are a huge LeBron stan. You probably don't want to admit that in terms of effort, Westbrook makes him look like a chump. (laughs) The
0: LeBron fans will tell you how smart LeBron is for resting on the defensive side of the court. Right. Yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite things about Westbrook is that he just goes all out like balls to the wall 24 seven. And I think it almost works against him in a way, especially in the playoffs because people like, will look at his numbers and say, Oh yeah, those numbers all dip in the playoffs. And it's like, man, it's cuz he's going all out in the regular season and he continues to go all out in the playoffs but you know everybody else is cranking up the intensity in the playoffs too so i think it's a little little tougher for him to do this in the playoffs but
1: kind of like eventually your tank is going to run out if you've been going all out for 82 games and then you get in the playoffs and everyone else is a little bit fresher and your reserves are kind of starting to dip, and now they're ramping up their intensity, yeah, like, it's going to look a little different. but I don't know.
0: I I just always hear the narrative now that triple-doubles aren't, like, a big thing. So I just wanted to throw out, like, that they do matter. And as proof of that, Russell Westbrook has won 75% of the games in which he's recorded a triple-double throughout his career. We're not talking about a small sample size. We're now talking about 182 games. And his teams are 136 and 46 when he records a triple-double, which is a 75% winning percentage. Like 75% winning percentage over the course of an NBA season is 61 and a half wins. So that's like a 61-62 win NBA team. That's like a really good team. That's a high winning percentage. That's probably a one seed. Almost every year we saw it again this year with the Wizards. The wizards were dead in the water earlier this year. The last basketball podcast that we did, I had suggested that the wizards trade away Bradley Beal because they clearly weren't going anywhere this year and they should just that get with they...
1: it.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, their season was pretty much dead and then Russ goes on this tear records 21 triple doubles over 24 games. And the Wizards go 17 and 7 in that stretch. And now they're back in the play-in conversation. It it doesn't seem that impressive because they're just in the play-in conversation. But like compared to where they were early this season, the fact that they're even sniffing the playoffs is amazing. And it has a lot to do with the fact that Russ has been so good. You know, it's not just Russ. Like you may people may look at it and go, like, oh, well, that's just Russ's numbers. If you look at the top five guys in career triple doubles they all have winning percentages over 70 percent in games where they recorded triple doubles so oscar robertson jason kidd magic johnson and lebron james all with winning percentages over 70 percent and magic johnson's winning percentage in games he recorded a triple double is 78.3
1: turns out having your fingerprints all over the game as a great player kind of helps your team win
0: i'm not saying that it's causation because like i'm sure that you could look at some of the games and say like oh well you know they blew out that other team and that's what allowed them to record a triple double and blah 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 like i'm sure there are arguments against it but there's a clear correlation between a player recording a triple double and a team's winning percentage being higher but and i I get it like russ is you know not the most efficient player he doesn't shoot great percentages his turns the ball over a lot. Like I think he's averaging 5 turnovers per game this season. Like you could argue about whether or not you could build a championship contender around him, but I think it's really clear from the numbers that his effort and his triple-doubles have an impact on winning games. You know, he ha- he puts up all these great stats and all these triple-doubles, but can you build a championship contender around him? You know, he was obviously a big he was a key part of the thunder team that went to the championship and he was a huge part of that team that should have won the championship when they blew the 3-1 lead to the warriors but you know if can he be the best player on a championship team i think might be questionable but you know what he what he's doing is still really impressive and obviously affects winning especially in the regular season
1: yeah i mean questionable sure But, I mean, that could be said for, honestly, most stars in the NBA because most stars have not won a championship in the NBA, at least without being the best player on their team. We also haven't really seen him as the best player on a team that was surrounding him with what really makes him the best at what he does elite shooters
0: that was one of the things i was kind of excited to see when he went to the wizards mm-hmm. because like in theory at least they have pretty good shooters at every position with like especially bradley beal obviously who's one of the leading scorers in the nba you think but yeah but you know the front court guys they have uh Bertons and uh thomas o'brien is not a bad three-point shooter either But O'Brien tore his ACL and, you know, it's been it's been a struggle for them to keep everybody healthy uh, because Bradley Beal missed a significant portion of the season, too. But let me ask you this, since we have the playoffs coming up, is there a team, one of like the bottom seeds in the East that you would want to see less than the Wizards right now? Like, no, they're they're probably going to be in the play in and they're likely going to enter the play in as like a nine or ten seed. So they have a tough road in front of them to actually make the playoffs, but if they make it as the eight seed, like that's probably the worst eight seed that you can get right now. Uh, Especially after the news of Jalen Brown having season ending wrist surgery yesterday. So, you know, the Celtics are without Brown and then you have, I mean, I guess the Hornets are a little scary with LaMelo and some of those guys too, but like the combination of Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, like I don't want to see that in the first round of the playoffs. Because you may win, but like Westbrook's going to take it out of you, man. He's, he's going to go all out.
1: Yeah, and you're talking about a sport where like any game one player can take over and win that game for a team. And they have two of them. <laughs> like that is not a combination you want to face in a play scenario. And yeah, they're probably going to enter as like, a 9 or 10 but also they started the season pretty rough record wise it was they were like in the running for the number one pick for a little bit imagine where they would be if they didn't start off that rough like they're legitimately a team that's they're gonna make you work to beat them at the very least
0: So that's, that's what we got on Westbrook. Don't let those advanced stat nerds tell you that triple doubles don't matter because they do. Yeah. Absolutely. Go
1: out and bash some nerds.
0: Yeah. Take that nerds. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about Russ with me. Matt will be back next week to do a full NBA playoff preview, but for now I'm going to grab Marshall. We're going to jump into some end of season stuff. So.
1: Yeah, next week I'm just going to exclusively talk about Damian Lillard, probably. So,
0: <laughs> come on next week for Adam's playoff preview <laughs> and Matt's Damian Lillard sol- <laughs> soliloquy. <laughs> Bye, Robin. <laughs> See you, bud. All right, as promised, Marshall is now joining me uh, live in studio. Only the second time we've ever had a live guest in the studio and they were both you. <laughs>
2: so, Welcome back. What's going on? It's going good. Hopefully I'm the only, not hopefully, I'm going to be the only uh, in-person live studio person for a while.
0: Yeah, Marshall will probably be our only live studio person for a little bit, at least until we're famous enough to have a giant studio <laughs> where LeBron James and Devin Booker can visit me.
2: Yeah, that'll be cool.
0: So last time Marshall was on was early in the NBA season. I think we were probably like 20 or 25 games into the season. And now we're at the very end of the season and it actually ends on Sunday. There's only like three or four games left for a lot of these teams. So we wanted to go back and take a look at who we picked for some of the awards that are going to be coming out soon and who's actually going to win them. What do you think? Do you think we got a hundred percent from guessing early this season or? I think we probably got zero to ten percent. <laughs> I, th- I think you, actually, both of us probably got two out of five, depending on what happens here. The last couple games of the season, so that's that's not bad for guessing after twenty five games.
2: Yeah, we're lucky that Lamelo got injured this year.
0: Yeah, we're the only ones <laughs> that are lucky. Lamelo got injured, or else we would have been one for four, or I would have. Yeah. Uh, so the first big one, obviously, the biggest award is MVP. And I had LeBron James and you had Steph Curry, which neither of those are bad picks. LeBron is always a bad pick. LeBron. (laughs) Obviously with LeBron, LeBron was the leading candidate at the time when we recorded. But with the struggles of the Lakers this year, and then obviously LeBron missing a lot of time, he's pretty much fallen out of the really the top five in the MVP. I mean, I think with all the LeBron stands out there, people would still Mm -hmm. vote for him. Yeah. And then you had Curry who is probably gonna lead the league in points per game this year. So it's not a bad
2: pick, but if he was actually most valuable player, it would be Curry, but it's season standing, so he'd yeah. at least have to be the sixth seed now.
0: Yeah, like we talked about last time, the with these awards narrative plays a large portion of it. And the standings, the overall standings of the team are a large portion of it as well. But I think you can make an argument that without, like, what would the Warriors be without Curry this year? Uh, One win. Yeah, like, last, dead last. So I think you can make an argument as far as, like, who's the most valuable, that it could be him. But the winner is probably going to be Nikola Jokic, the center of the Denver Nuggets. He is averaging 26.4 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, and 8.5 assists from the
2: center position. That's amazing for assists. He's proved this year that he's probably the best passing big man of all time.
0: Yeah, he's, I agree with you. He's definitely up there and he's, he's been amazing this year. The reason we didn't really have him near the top of the MVP conversation was because the nuggets got off to a really tough start to the year, but they've bounced back really well. They're going to be probably the four or five seed in the West and They've done a lot of this without Jamal Murray, the point guard who tore his ACL earlier this year. So you talk about from like a narrative perspective, Jokic has really carried the Nuggets.
2: Yeah, he's definitely helped their franchise out a lot. Especially for being, what pick was he in the draft? I think he was, he was in the 40s, I think 45. Yeah, he was late. He was second round pick and now he's going to be an MVP. So the first uh,
0: second round player to ever win MVP. Really? Yeah. To see, this is why we have Marshall on for expert analysis. I did not know that. That's exciting. So yeah, he, he's the odds on favorite. Like I think if you go to Vegas right now, he's like negative 2000 or something like that to win the MVP, which is basically means you have to bet $2,000 to win a hundred (laughs) dollars. So very, very likely that he's going to be the MVP. Uh, The next one is rookie of the year. I had Anthony Edwards and you had Tyrese Halliburton. Edwards was more of like a dart throw for me at the time, but like you said, due to LaMelo Ball's injury, Edwards is probably going to be the pick. And then
2: Halliburton had a great rookie season, too. It's kind of disappointing that it ended with an injury. Yeah, Halliburton's been this, well, not really disappointing. He's not been doing the best recently after, his, like, even before his injury. Yeah, he broke out early this
0: season, and then kind of started to have those rookie struggles and have those Sacramento King struggles that we're all very familiar with on this podcast. So yeah, LaMelo Ball was going to be the winner, like hands down was going to be the winner. For the season, LaMelo Ball is averaging 16, about 16, 6 and 6, which for a rookie is amazing. Unfortunately, he went down with a wrist injury and missed a lot of time and while he was gone Anthony Edwards kind of exploded onto the scene and his averages have just been going up and up and up since then so that's that's my
2: first one I got right I think Anthony Edwards is probably going to be rookie of the year but only bad thing about Edwards is he's not the efficient player like LaMelo is he's I mean he had one efficient game he shot I think eight of nine from three and like 20 of 25 from the field which is pretty good but Other than that, he's shooting, I think, seven attempts and making, like, only two of them. Yeah, he's, like, two for seven from three, and there's
0: way too many games for Edwards where he shoots, like, seven for 27 from the field (laughs) and not enough of those really efficient games. So that's something he can work on. I still think Lamelo could win the Rookie of the Year, though, because, like we said, a lot of this is narrative-driven, and a lot of it is based on how good your team is. And the Hornets are in the eight seed right now in the east and they're probably going to be in the play-in and minnesota anthony edwards team is like one of the worst teams in the league
2: yeah i think they're the third worst team in the league right now but if it's all based on our uh, standings we could give it to tyrese maxley with his eight points per game yeah i mean he was yeah. they were saying he's not going to be a rotational player for long he's he's probably going to be a starter in philly eventually but he had a breakout week like month or something which was really good but I think he's the only high-seat player who's actually good yeah. for a rookie. Good signs for him, too. Usually those rookies are on pretty
0: bad team. They get drafted by a pretty bad team, so it's pretty tough to even make the playoffs as a rookie when you're the best player. Like When LeBron James was a rookie, the Cavaliers did not make the playoffs, and that was actually an argument against him for rookie of the year, even <laughs> though he ended up winning it. So, uh, Next one is defensive player of the year. This is the only one we both got right. We both had Rudy
2: Gobert, and I don't think we both got it right. I you think, don't think so. I think it's going to be Ben Simmons. Ooh. Ben Simmons has been like amazing on defense. Uh, and he has the number one ranking on like the NBA app. Okay. But so I think he makes a really good case with he Philly's defense out a lot. Yeah. The tough thing for Ben Simmons is that he
0: missed some time this year as well. And from a narrative perspective, Rudy Gobert, you know, Donovan Mitchell's missed a significant amount of time with the jazz and Rudy Gobert has probably been their best player and they've continued to stay in the one seed in the West. But I mean, as far as team success goes, those two teams are neck and neck. Utah is number one in the league, but I think Philly's number three now. Uh, yeah. They're not that far behind. They're one game behind Phoenix. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So Vegas has Gobert as the odds on favorite to win defensive player of the year, but I mean Marshall's right. Ben Simmons is the best wing defender in the league and there's a chance that he could win it as well. So
2: I guess we'll see if we both got that one right. Yeah, we'll see. So, well, not Sunday, but next week probably.
0: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes these awards don't come out until way after the season's over. Like we all forgot about it and then the NBA <laughs> pops up and goes, "Uh Jokic won the MVP" and we're all like, "Great. We just watched we just got done watching the finals. Who cares?" No. so they So we'll see about Gobert versus Simmons. Um it wouldn't be the first time that Ben Simmons has had a uh, award rivalry with a member of the Jazz, so <laughs> <laughs> see how that turns out. For Coach of the Year, I had the Utah Jazz's head coach, Quinn Snyder. You had the Suns head coach, Monty Williams, and Vegas has Monty Williams as
2: the favorite right now. So why'd you pick Williams? Just because I'm a huge Suns fan, and they <laughs> they went from a 10- or 11-year playoff drought to the two seeds second best team in the league not even just in the west
0: yeah it was a good call i think at the time that we recorded the last podcast the utah jazz were in first in the west and they still are which is very impressive and great job by quinn snyder but they were a perennial playoff team before that with donovan mitchell and rudy gobert they were just usually like between the four and the six seed so jumping from being the four to the six seed to being the one seed is great but like marshall said Phoenix hadn't made the playoffs in how many years? 10 years? 10 or 11, one of those two. The second longest drought, I think, second longest active drought. And now they're going to be the two seed, and they're also the second best team in the league record wise. So, how the playoffs will turn out for the Suns
2: is amazing. Because they will either have to (laughs) versus LeBron and Anthony Davis or (laughs) Steph Curry.
0: Yeah, the Suns are looking at playing whoever wins the playing game. So, it's looking very likely right now that the Lakers are going to play the Warriors in the first play-in game, and the winner of that is going to play the Suns. So their alternatives are either to play LeBron James in the Lakers or Steph Curry in the Warriors. So, I
2: mean, the Kings are still on there. Maybe they have to verse Marvin Bagley in the Kings.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, luckily for the Suns, the Kings can't get the seventh seed at this point. So they're not going to have to play against Marvin Bagley and an injured De'Aaron Fox. So it looks like you're going to be right on that one with Monty Williams winning it. And, you know, by all accounts, well-deserved by Monty Williams. He's beloved in the league back, dating back to his days in new Orleans. He's a really, really popular coach amongst the players in front offices. So good. For, that's great for him. And then finally, most improved. Uh, we both had Christian Wood, the power forward for the rockets
2: center for the Rockets,
0: center power forward. They're all the same. He, he had a great season and his stats have Gone way up, which is why we picked him. We thought that he would have a bigger role on the Rockets, but
2: the Rockets have not been good this season. Is that they're the worst team in the league, (laughs) the worst
0: team in the league,
2: and he's been injured for like the last month or something. Yeah, he missed some
0: time too much time out. So the winner is very likely going to be Julius Randle. The what position does he play? Power forward. I don't want to get corrected again. (laughs) Power forward for the New York Knicks. He I mean, this is a big narrative award thing, too, because his stats aren't that much better than last year. They're like, they're definitely better, but they're not that much better. But the team is like insanely better. And he's been a huge part of their success the last couple of years, especially this year. So, you know, when you do something like that in a huge market like New York to go from being one of the worst teams in the league to being the four or five seed in the East, you're definitely gonna win some kind of hardware. I mean, not just the worst team in the league. The team was clowned so much. They were the Knicks have been a laughing stock for a long time. And Julius Randle seems to be, you know, he was he was an all-star this year, wasn't he? Yep. So he's kind of the star player that's pulled them out of that. So I I think he's a free agent this summer, too. So I expect him to get paid by the Knicks. The Knicks are gonna give him a max contract, I bet. Good for him. So the last set of awards we wanted to talk about is who is going to be on our all NBA first team. And I'm going to get crucified for this, but people are not going to like my picks, but that's okay. Uh, So you get this year. The actual voting is really weird this year because they're counting Joel Embiid as a forward so that Joel Embiid and Jokic can both be on the NBA first team, which is not fair. And that's not how we did ours. that's too confusing so i didn't
2: think he was gonna be a forward
0: they yeah i think you can vote for him as a forward this year (laughs) which is doesn't make any sense he's a center come on like really honestly with the nba all nba teams they should just say like the all nba first team are the five best players in the league and that's it like no you don't have to rely on positions they they should
2: have it like the all bubble team last year
0: yeah it's just whoever the five best players are and we should just do it that way we shouldn't do it by position but the way Marshall and I did our ballots is you get two guards, two forwards, and one center, which is one center is traditional. Moving a center to power forward is cheating. What about a center to point guard? Uh, I mean you could put Jokic at point guard. He's a great passer. But
2: I was yeah, talking about Andre Drummond at
0: point guard. Oh God. <laughs> that team is going nowhere.
2: So who uh who is your first guard? I have Steph Curry at my first guard because he's so far second in uh, MVP voting is definitely a tough decision between him and Chris Paul because Chris Paul's lead led the Suns to the playoffs as well as Monty Williams and Booker. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Chris Paul. Cause I feel like this is the pick that people are going to kill me for.
0: My first guard is Chris Paul and like, he does not have the statistics of the other guys that we're going to talk about. Like Marshall has Curry and Curry is going to lead the league in scoring likely this year. Uh Chris Paul is averaging 16.2 points per game, 4.5 rebounds and 8.9 assist. But when you're picking who the all NBA team is, you can you can kind of look at stats or you can look at team success, which is a big part of it too. And the reason I put Chris Paul on my ballot is because he is really the only roster change that the Suns made this year. They didn't really do a ton except for adding Chris Paul. They also added Drake Drake Crowder as well for their yeah. success. Jay Crowder is a good good addition as well, but Chris Paul was like really the key addition to this team, and it's just a it's a full one eighty with a team that, like we said, they haven't made the playoffs in ten years, and they've kind of been a laughing stock, like they've been really bad in the last ten years too. Yeah, even though they had Devin Booker, who's an all star, just seeing what Chris Paul has done to this team, like this this team plays Chris Paul's game. Like, they have adopted Chris Paul's personality. They play his game. They play at his pace. And he is the clear leader of this team. And he's, just like Monty Williams,
2: he's a huge credit to their turnaround. And I think that he deserves some recognition for that. He definitely deserves recognition for their success this year. At my two guard, I have James Harden. Because uh, just the way he's adapted to the Nets, like, he's went from being the leading scorer in the league to, I think, second in leading assists, which is amazing, averaging 11 assists a game from averaging 34 points to 25 now. You're
0: absolutely right. Like, to see Harden's transformation from an ISO player who scores 35 points per game and takes like a billion shots and doesn't (laughs) pass the ball to... Coming into Brooklyn, like 25 games or 20, they'd played like 20 something games games before they got him, him coming in mid season and adapting his game so that he can play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant has been absolutely amazing. And if they win a championship this year, it's going to be because those three guys
2: are playing so well together, even though the amount of games they played together is pretty limited at this point. But I, I don't even think they've played a game together, all three of them. Maybe one or two. Yeah. That's kind of scary to think about is that these guys haven't even played together. If they have
0: played together, it's been very limited and they're still the number two seed in the East. That's pretty crazy. Uh, My second guard is, and if you, if you know me, then this is probably pretty obvious, but my second guard is Luka Doncic. I was
2: surprised. I thought it was
0: going to be deer and Fox. Yeah. (laughs) Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Luka 28 points per game. Uh, eight, eight rebounds and 8.7 assists this season. He, he is the Mavericks basically. And they're, you know, they were a team that got off to a really slow start this season. Like Matt and I talked about with the wizards earlier and really Luka Doncic becoming more efficient throughout the season has really been the driving force to them becoming one of the top, you know, I think they're fifth in the West right now.
2: Yeah. I think they're going to versus the Clippers. Versus.
0: Yeah. They're, well, possibly we'll get to that in a sec, but he pretty much is the Mavs. I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to argue with anybody who wants to put Curry or like Marshall's picks. I think your picks are good too with Curry and Harden. I wouldn't argue against those. This is just my preference. So uh, I want to do small forwards last. So let's move to power forward. Okay. Let's go to the second forward <laughs> position. I think we both have the same guy. Who
2: do you have? I have Giannis. Yeah. I have Giannis as well. I, He's shown to be one of the most unstoppable people, and I don't know, I I don't think anybody in the league can do anything against him.
0: Definitely not in the regular season. Um, He's a two-time MVP. He's won the MVP the last two years, and his stats this year are on par with his two MVP seasons. He's averaging 28 points per game, 11 rebounds, and almost six assists, which is, like, awesome out of your four or five spot the guy Giannis is crazy I mean I think Not his game your speaks for itself main scorer too. yeah your main scorer and the Bucs are third in the east right now looking to make a deep playoff run and yeah like Marshall said he's he's a beast in the regular season and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Bucks do this postseason after the big changes they made this this past offseason getting Drew Holiday and
2: trading a million picks for Drew Holiday yeah trading all their picks <laughs>
0: for Drew Holiday and bringing them in and do you think the Bucks? What do you think about the Bucks in the postseason? You think they're going to go far? or You think they're going to have another flame out? Uh, I definitely. I think they're going to get eliminated in the
2: first round. I mean, they're going against Jimmy and Pam. Yeah, that's
0: if they end up going against them. It's, it's still possible they could play the Hawks instead. god. Okay. but the Heat are going to. The Heat are going to be a tough first round matchup for somebody.
2: If if they versus the Hawks and the Hawks are getting destroyed, I think so too uh and who's your center we probably both have the same center um I have Joel Embiid what <laughs> No, I have Nicole Jokic as my center I was gonna say Embiid <laughs>
0: Embiid wasn't in the show prep that's not what we have written down it was a curveball yeah so tell us about Jokic
2: we, t- we talked about him a little bit already but I mean he's been he's basically been the nuggets the past like month I guess Michael Porter Jr. stepped up as well but he's been their offense he's been playing amazingly averaging eight assists or whatever she's amazing for a center he's i think like 11th in rebounding or something like at a 10 or 11 which is really good for them yep seeing uh
0: 10.8 per game i believe about 26 11 and 8.5 for Jokic
2: this season like 8.5 assists out of a center is insane i mean last year he wasn't even averaging averaging 20 points he was averaging like 19.7 and now he's averaging 26, which is a pretty big step up. Yeah, he was on the most improved list as
0: well. Like, if you look at that, he's he could win most improved. Yeah, the Nuggets are really interesting team to watch in the playoffs this year as well. They made the Western Conference Finals last year and obviously lost to the Lakers. But, you know, this year is so disappointing to see Jamal Murray go down with how Jokic was playing. Because the Nuggets looked like they were a real threat to make the finals. And it's kind of a bummer they don't have Murray. But I mean, I think they they are still a threat with how well Jokic has been playing. Like he's he's been pretty unstoppable this season. So see what happens with them. And then, what about the uh, the other forward spot? We got to go back to that because uh, you go trouble. first. So this was this spot was the hardest one to pick for me. I, I struggled with like Chris Paul over Curry, but when I was looking at like small forwards or like the quote unquote second forward. I struggled a lot and I thought about putting Julius Randall on here and ultimately decided to go with Kawhi Leonard. Really. It's just, just cause Kawhi is just doing Kawhi things this season. <laughs> he's 25 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, five assists, just kind of in line with Kawhi numbers. You know, he doesn't always go all out during the regular season, but the Clippers are having another really successful year and he's at the center of that again. How, how, they play in the playoffs, we'll, we'll see because, you know, you and I talked about this last time, I think, is that the Clippers are kind of the same team they were last
2: year. I mean, they got rid of Lou Williams and added Sergi Ibaka and Rajan Rondo. I mean, they also have DeMarcus Cousins as well.
0: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if that has an impact for them in the playoffs this year, but you know, they, I think team success obviously is one of the things I look for in voting for these guys or picking who I would have on my ballot. And the Clippers have had another successful season, so I ended up
2: going with him. At my small forward position, I have Zion Williamson. Yeah, love Zion. He's just, I mean, he was an all-star starter this year. He's made a huge jump. I mean, not a huge jump, but, like, he's, I mean, I don't know how good the Pelicans are doing, but he's basically the main success. He is basically unstoppable. He's been an absolute monster this season. He's
0: averaging twenty-seven points, uh, seven point two rebounds, and almost four assists while shooting sixty-one percent from the floor. Jeez. Like he's he's been an absolute bully this season. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, the Pelicans are fighting for a play-in spot right now with the Spurs, and it's like, man, I really hope. That they get it because I don't want to watch the Spurs versus the Grizzlies. <laughs> Give me Zion versus John Morant. Come on in the play in game. You guys want ratings. Do not let the Spurs be in that play in game because that's Spurs are boring. I like, I really like DeJounte Murray, but the Spurs are a boring team overall. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad pick. I think the only thing that he's missing is the team success, but that will be coming soon. So if Zion's not first team this season. He, there's a good chance that he's second or
2: third team as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of good like all the forwards this year have been injured. I don't I think Julius Randle if anything is probably going to be third team if he makes it,
0: but I don't know. Yeah, I think Julius Randle will make uh one of the all NBA teams just because he like I said, like he plays in New York and he's been the turnaround for the Knicks and that's like a media darling team, so the media guys will all vote for him. Aside from some of the things we talked about, you know, the season ends on Sunday. What are you looking forward to the most in the playoffs? Because this is, I think this is going
2: to be your second year watching the playoffs. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the Nets, seeing how they will do as a team. See James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant play all together. Plus, I mean, what, you have Lab City back together with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan missing Chris Paul there that's true I didn't think about that when Blake Griffin signed there if it's the Suns versus the Nets in the finals you'll have Lob City in the finals there you go yeah they finally made it just not with the Clippers I think that would piss Clippers fans off to no end
0: to see Chris Paul and Blake Griffin in
2: the finals against each other Chris Paul might accidentally throw a lob to Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan be one of the weirdest moments in NBA history. Yeah. That was your pick for the finals, wasn't it? Suns versus Nets. Yep. And
0: six. in six games. And who, who'd you have winning? Nets. Nets and six over the Suns. Yeah. Some of the things I'm looking forward to in the playoffs, I think you touched on uh, the Nets watching James Harden in a new scenario, like James Harden's playoff flameouts in Houston were a huge storyline for him. I think that'll be really interesting. I think the Bucs postseason is another really interesting storyline to watch with how they've kind of, you know, they've been one of the best teams in the league during the regular season over the last couple of years. And then they've had pretty high profile failures in the playoffs. And like right now, if the playoffs started today, the Bucs would be playing the Miami Heat, like Marshall was saying earlier. And is there a team in the East, like one of the bottom teams in the East that you want to see less than the Heat? In the first round,
2: I think that's like besides the Nets, I want to see the Heat in the in the playoffs because they'll just dominate. I mean, Bam is proved to guard one through five this season for defending. Yeah, that's. What think?
0: that's what I mean is like the Heat are a scary team to play. I would not want to play them in the first round. I think if you're the Bucks, you're probably rooting for the Heat to pass the Hawks. Like I would much rather play the Hawks if
2: I was the Bucks. I mean, yeah, you have Trey Young. He can't play defense on any. And John Collins isn't a good defender. And then if you have Clint Capella and Giannis, how is that going to work out? And then John Collins, he's probably going to leave Brook Lopez open. So
0: there's a whole bunch of threes right there. Yeah, I definitely think that the Hawks is a much more favorable matchup than the Heat, for really for anybody. Um, You know, watching the Knicks be back in the playoffs and having playoff basketball in Madison Square Garden is really exciting because it's been a long time since we've seen that. The I think the play-in's going to be interesting, um, and then really in the West, I think the most interesting thing to watch is that you have a lot of small market teams in good positions to make a run. Like we talked about, the Jazz, you have the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Trailblazers are four of the top six seeds.
2: Whoever the Clippers versus is going to be an amazing matchup. Like Clippers versus Nuggets the rematch of the second uh, third round, I'm pretty sure last year. Uh, Clippers versus Mavs, the Clippers tried to injure Luka Doncic last year and Clippers versus Blazers. Do you have Dame versus Paul George again after that insane buzzer beater that he hit over him? It's definitely going to be an interesting playoffs this year. Yeah. So there's the Clippers are in the three seed right now, and there's really
0: three options of who they could play because there's three teams all within a game of each other like Marshall said, they could play the Mavericks who are currently in the fifth seed, but they're only a half game ahead of Portland. And you may, you know, for those of you who don't remember the Mavericks and the Clippers played in the first round last year. And there was a lot of like chicanery going on around Luca people purposely stepping on his ankles and pushing him out of bounds. And so that's interesting. Uh, Portland is currently in the sixth seed and there's a lot of drama between Paul George and Damian Lillard uh, to the point where I think, did they Damian Lillard get in a fight with Paul
2: George's uh, sister on Twitter last year? I, I don't remember that. I mean, something like that, something crazy. Also, the Lakers are, I think only one and a half games behind yep. the Blazers and everybody wanted to see that matchup last year. Yeah. We may Kawhi finally LeBron. Yeah. We could finally get the battle of LA matchup. Do you, you
0: feel like I feel like it wouldn't be as exciting this year. Like it was really hyped up last year, and we all thought we were gonna get it in the Western Conference Finals. Getting it as like a first round matchup this year, I feel like it's really like anticlimactic to everything that but happens. I mean
2: it's gonna be more stressful. It's the first round, like you're gonna get really good eliminated by your same city team. Yeah, like that's pretty embarrassing.
0: Yeah, the, the Clippers are a really interesting team to watch in the playoffs this year because They made some really high-profile moves going into last season with the idea of, like, we're going to win a championship right now. And Kawhi has an opt-out in his contract after this season. Oh, God. If they lose in the first round and you have two embarrassing – you have two years in a row of, like, embarrassing losses, there's a chance that he could leave and that everything the Clippers did to get those guys to come to uh, their side of L.A. could – Be just to have Paul George for the next five years. And like Kawhi could leave them high and dry. And so the Clippers, like if they don't have a deep run, I think the worse the Clippers run is, the higher the chances are that Kawhi opts out.
2: Definitely. I mean, you could see Kawhi go to the Lakers for some crazy reason.
0: That would be insane. (laughs) It's like it doesn't work out with the Clippers. So he just goes, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go to the Lakers and win championship. I get to stay in
2: the same house. Yeah, that's true. (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know where he would go really next season, but it, it's just something to keep an eye on. I think that if you're the Clippers, you're probably rooting to play against the trailblazers because you have like some big wing guys that you can put on Dame. You could guard him with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And I think that's probably your best matchup. You could say the same about Luca, but Luca's a pretty big guy. So a little bit harder there. And the Mavericks gave them a tough time in the first round last year. That game, that se- <clears throat> that series went to six games. Yeah. So you probably don't want to see them. And you definitely, whoever you are in the West, you definitely don't want to see the Lakers in the first round. Like, that really sucks that either the Jazz or the Suns are probably going to have to play the Lakers in the first round.
2: Yeah, that's definitely terrible for them.
0: Yeah. So, we'll. I mean, we'll see what LeBron can do. Uh, obviously, LeBron and Davis may not be 100%. So... That's interesting. And then my final thing here is, uh, you know, Steph Curry's had an amazing season, like really dragging this team to being relevant with how many points he's been scoring. And if he gets hot in the first round, he could carry
2: them to an upset. Definitely. He could make this team insane again, just by himself. Maybe Draymond will finally step up for his points. Do it, Draymond. Yeah, so you got any other playoff thoughts or NBA thoughts now that the
0: season's ending?
2: There's, uh, there's I, not an elimination thing next to the Sacramento Kings name, but it's coming soon. Yeah, I was just about to say the Kings can still make the playoffs with Marvin Bagley. That, that's it.
0: It's possible they have four. I think four games left, and they're three games back of the number ten seed. <laughs> this is like traditional Sacramento Kings: is to be bad, but not bad enough to get a good pick. Yeah, we're just bad enough to be mediocre forever.
2: I mean, last year the what the Hornets got a good pick and they were like around the same thing the Kings are right now. So maybe you guys can get another Lamelo Ball. Oh, I'll keep my fingers <laughs> crossed. But
0: all right, bud, thanks for coming on. Um, you guys can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, Overcast, really anywhere you get your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at fouled Out Sports and then also through my uh instagram tag out there ar fowler if you want to see cute pictures of my dog <laughs> so, koji's all over instagram so i appreciate you guys listening uh we will be back next week to do a full nba playoff preview and i think that's it so bye you want to say bye to your mom say bye mom <laughs> bye mom all right bye mom